This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special, exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. We thank everybody uh, for tuning in and being part of another edition of the Labor and Energy Show. J-Doc, and my, oh, my, we've got a returning guest, but we've got a great interview planned and lined up for our listening audience this week on the Labor and Energy Show. Yeah, Joe, I mean, we're happy to welcome back Kathleen Sagama, president of the Western Energy Alliance. Uh, by popular demand, uh, we had such great response, uh, you know, from not only our listeners, but also a lot of our uh, labor and energy uh, you know, leaders, and, and it was such a good show the first time. We're, we're really appreciative to have her back on. And, and, and certainly, Joe, every week we get the opportunity to talk to top leaders, obviously in the labor and energy and politics to educate the public. Uh, and, and our union brothers and sisters, our families, our friends on common sense and energy. And this is no exception, man. We got uh, a great show planned. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, uh, looking forward to turning the mic over to you and Kathleen uh, for a bulk of this show, the Labor and Energy Show. Before we transition uh, to that uh, interview, which will come up in uh, following the break, uh, I did want to spend just a couple of minutes to uh, update our listening audience, J-Doc. We have been talking about our upcoming Labor and Energy Summit series, which you have been working really, really hard. Uh, at putting together, we've reached that point in time where our first summit is scheduled and it will happen this month and our second summit is scheduled and that will happen in the month of September. Tell us about both of them. Yeah, I mean, so our, our, our first uh, re refinery sector summit uh, will air uh, so because we're, we're doing these with the, the who's who in energy and, and, and labor and, 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 and politics. And so our first summit will be on will air on August 20th with our refinery sector. 
uh, and it will be followed up in uh, in September on September 24th uh, with our Shale Industry Summit. And, and like it, I, like I said, each will feature uh, the who's who in labor and energy sectors, and will educate the public on on a ton of things. Um, in, in 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 particular, the the, the benefits of maintaining our traditional energy resources as renewables come into the market and at the same time maintaining our jobs and prioritizing the environments. Joe, we can have our cake and eat it too if we just use common sense. And so, yeah, and just to bring a little clarity into the conversation, we do this, uh, we do the labor and energy show obviously every week and we sit down or we get the opportunity to have one guest for the full hour or in some cases uh, we have multiple guests that join us for the hour. Just for clarity, the Summit Series is going to bring together a lot of different voices. For example, the Refinery Sector Summit will bring a lot of different voices almost into a panel that will really allow us to present some different um, conversations and some different thought process from the individual guests that are on. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and the same goes with the shale industry. And, of course, we'll get into elect, you know, the, the, the electric vehicles and we'll get into everything energy. We're going to have the, the experts in, in every different sector. Uh, you know, as, So this is August and September. But we're going to continue this series, um, you know, literally on a monthly basis. And so, so much uh, that the listeners will be able to uh, take in and learn. Uh, about common sense in energy, and and uh, really that's really what we're talking about. And so, um, you know, we're ecstatic, and we look so much forward to having all the experts on the broadcast. Can't wait to do it. All right, good stuff from J Doc. This is the Labor and Energy Show with J Doc and Krause. We'll take a short break. Come back on the other side, uh, and we'll turn over the microphone as J-Doc goes one-on-one with our very, very special guest for the full hour of the Labor and Energy Show. Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know that CO2 can be safely and permanently stored underground? Did you know? PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit FuelingUSJobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. What's a Boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Listen to the Labor and Energy Show and get educated about electric cars, solar power, and climate change from expert guests. Presented by PBF Energy and Neuter Construction, a fully integrated multi-craft contractor. Tune in this Sunday night at 6. 
First chartered in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the Labor Union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. And welcome back, everyone, to this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. We've been waiting, J-Doc. Let me turn it right over to you uh, to kick off our very special interview. All right, thanks, Joe. Uh, We've got a great show today, and I'm ecstatic to bring in uh, Kathleen Sagama, uh, president of the Western Energy Alliance, uh, for her follow-up appearance on the broadcast. Kathleen, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing uh, phenomenal. Uh, we're ecstatic to have you uh, back on the broadcast. If you will, um, uh, before we start, can you briefly remind our listeners a little about your organization and your members? Sure. So Western Energy Alliance represents oil and natural gas producers in the Rocky Mountain West. Our companies are the small independents that drill the majority of wells in the United States. And so having said that, before we get into kind of our primary lines of discussion today, which we'll be getting an update on uh, on the SEC's uh, climate disclosure rule and uh, also discussing the Manchin-Schumer tax bill, I'd like to t- touch on the latest uh, on, on the strategic uh, petroleum release, SPR releases. Can, can you tell our listeners uh, whether or not the administration has indicated if it will replenish our reserves with only domestic crude, and if not, why? Well, I don't know if they've made a commitment one way or the other. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not sure if they haven't made an announcement or if um, I missed it. But the Strategic Petroleum Reserves is supposed to hold about up to 727 million barrels of oil. It is now under 475 million barrels of oil. So it's down quite a bit. Now, during COVID, we had suggested that with oil prices even negative, that a good way to ensure that domestic oil production didn't uh, fall off the cliff, as it actually ended up doing, was that, you know, this is a time where 
the United States could restock the petroleum reserve at very low prices. And um, that did not pass Congress. It did not get support from. So now we're in a situation where the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is being drawn down and it is getting to be at very low levels. And well, well, if we had to restock it now, we'd have to restock it at a premium. Yeah. And so having said that, um, you know, it, it, it's confusing, I guess, to lay people because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, you know, we're, we're, we're releasing our reserves to, to, to foreign entities and at the same time going to them uh, in, in requests for oil um, and our prices are going through the roof. Why aren't we, um, uh, you know, retaining that for our own domestic use? Yes, and why aren't we going to Texas and North Dakota instead of Saudi Arabia? Exactly. You know, I don't, I don't think it's making much logical sense right now. Um, we're drawing down the Strategic Petroleum Reserve for political reasons, not what it was intended for, which are strategic, or you know, shocks to the system or disruption to our oil supply. Um, it's being used to help bring down prices. It hasn't been that effective because the most effective way to bring down prices is to produce more here in America, where we're the number one producer of oil in the world. We could be producing a lot more, but for all the obstacles um, that we've been facing the last few years. Yeah, and, and having said that, we're, we're going to get into that. And so I appreciate your, your insight on that, and, and, and obviously we'll be covering that closer in upcoming shows. Um, what I'd like to do now... Uh, is, is get an update, if you will, on something we discussed uh, the last time you were on the broadcast, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission's, the SEC's proposed climate dis, uh, disclosure rule, for which you actually uh, penned an editorial. Can you, uh, you know, t- well, let me just state that um, to, to kind of briefly, uh, you know, recap for our listeners, it, it basically looks to turn the SEC into my thoughts are a climate regulator to discourage investment in the fossil fuel industry. Um, Kathleen, can, can, can you recap what this proposed rule is uh, for our listeners? Well, I think you're absolutely right. It is a rule that would um, make the financial regulator the driver of climate change policy. Instead of, say, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, which is charged with protecting the environment, this would make the financial regulator the driver of climate change policy. Now, it's important to note that there has been no law passed by Congress that um, requires our country to transition to zero fossil fuels by the year 2050. That's an aspirational goal of the president's, but Congress, our representatives, have not passed such a law. So trying to do so through a financial regulator to get around Congress having failed to pass such a law is really, I don't think it's going to stand up in court, but it's, it's, a, it's a way to get around the fact that the environmental left has failed to convince the American people and the representatives in Congress that we should stop using fossil fuels. So it's a way to get around that very inconvenient fact. And, and uh, what do you think the impact will be of it? Uh, you know, because it's, uh, it's almost like getting the, 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 the financial industry uh, to do the dirty work. And uh, what are your thoughts on, on, on the, potential, the potential impact of it? 
Yeah, you know, that's a good way to put it, because financial regulators are not supposed to be about um, protecting the environment. That's what we have the EPA for. Financial regulators are supposed to protect the investor. They're supposed to make sure that companies are transparent and that their financial data is reported in a sound and honest way so that investors, from very small investors up to the largest investors, can make decisions about which companies to invest in. That has been the mandate of financial regulators like the SEC for decades. This turns it on its head and actually elevates climate change considerations above those you know, sound financial indicators. And by doing so, it is intended to force a transition away from fossil fuels. And, you know, that sounds maybe to some that that's a good policy, but that policy has not been passed by Congress. That policy is not law, and that policy is not practical because we don't have an alternative that does everything that oil and natural gas do. Wind and solar, which everybody loves to talk about, provide electricity, but only a very small percentage of our electricity and an even smaller percentage of our overall energy use. So if we were suddenly to go to net zero or no fossil fuels, you know, by 2035 or whenever, that would mean we wouldn't have the energy to power people's lives, to produce goods here in America, and we would have to import everything from overseas. So it's just not realistic. Well, one of the things that gets lost in transition are the details, and we're going to we're going to talk about, uh, you know, later in the show about the fact that obviously uh, fossil fuels comprise uh, five to six thousand products, including uh, those that are crucial uh, for renewables. Uh, and and the fact is, it's so amazing that the detail, little things like you know that um, that 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 don't get discussed, and 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 certainly uh, common sense and energy, um, what you would think would be a common sense for everybody is you know certainly doesn't uh, get discussed. Let me let me say this: that uh, your organization issued a, a press release calling on the administration to rescind this SEC rule uh, because it runs afoul to uh, this is a Supreme Court decision that went in favor of West Virginia on the greenhouse gas regulations. Can you kind of explain to our listeners how the West Virginia case relates to the SEC rule? Well, actually, after that Supreme Court decision, the Securities and Exchange Commission should really rescind the rule and redo it because it's clear that it would not stand muster in court. So the Supreme Court in West Virginia v. EPA found that on major questions such as, uh, the, in, in that case, um, the electricity mix of states and of you know the country overall is not something that can be dictated by the Environmental Protection Agency. It doesn't have that power. It cannot use the Clean Air Act uh, to suddenly dictate how what what your electricity mix is in West Virginia or any other state. So the Supreme Court found that a an agency can't suddenly find a new power in a law that doesn't directly address that power. So in the case of SEC, SEC has very strict guidelines um, in this the law that established SEC and guides what it does gives it the ability to regulate financial markets. That law does not, 
you know, buried deep in that law is not something that says, oh, the Securities and Exchange Commission can regulate greenhouse gas emissions and decide your carbon budget and what you can, can or cannot produce because, uh, you know, it's, it's favored or not favored by politicians. So the Supreme Court is basically saying you can't find a mountain in a molehill. You can't find some new great vast power by going back to your statutes and saying, oh, yeah, I think we can do this. So it severely restricts what an agency can suddenly decide it wants to do. It curtails the power of the bureaucratic state. And I think that's a really good thing because the people should decide such questions and they decide such questions through their elected representatives not through the bureaucracy. So do you, do you think that, that somebody will end up uh, suing the SEC on the rule uh, using oh, somebody, West Virginia as gonna, the president? No, go ahead. Somebody was going to sue. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk on top of you. Somebody was going to sue the SEC on this rule even before the Supreme Court ruled. Lots of people were because it goes way outside the bounds. But with the Supreme Court ruling, it made it so much clearer and it will mean that, you know, lower courts will have much clearer guidance. And I think we can overturn this rule very quickly. Now, having said that, it's still wasted effort and time to have to go and sue on a rule that is clearly not going to pass muster with uh, the Supreme Court. And so, we, you know, we would really encourage the SEC to go back to the drawing board on this rule. Actually, we think they should just trash the rule completely because it's well outside their power. But certainly after the Supreme Court ruling, um, the hubris of moving forward with it, just I just don't think it makes sense for the agency. And so having said that, you guys published a, uh, a three-part blog series. We, got, we have a couple minutes in, in, in this particular segment, so we may end up um, you know, continuing after the break. But um, can, you, can you kind of walk our, our, our listeners through, through, through the blog series? Uh, it, it, it's on the SEC rule. Uh, and if you can, I'd like to you know, kind of start actually in reverse from part three of the series that notes that the Russian influences it may have shaped the actual um, U.S. SEC rule. Can you, can you kind of elaborate on that, if you will? Sure. We kind of had fun with the rule because it kept referencing to all these climate initiatives and supposedly all these investors who are, are on board with using a financial regulation to drive climate change policy. Well, we dug into that and we found that there are seven international organizations that are organizing certain investors to advocate for these climate change policies. And we found out that only 19% of those investors are American. The rest are foreign. And of those groups, a lot of them are funded by Russian money. So it's Russia has been funding things like anti-fracking campaigns in Europe, and now they're you know, pushing these damaging climate change policies in the United States yeah. through you know, dirty money that's hidden offshore. And they're supporting these organizations that are pushing this radical agenda. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, you know, certainly we're, you know, uh, somebody, I mean, the irrational uh, situation, uh, you know, with us shooting ourselves in the foot and, and, <laughs> and, and creating, I mean, literally, 
Um, and, and then uh, eventually having to depend on these entities, uh, overseas foreign entities like a Russia, uh, who, who obviously could be our sworn enemy, for crying out loud, um, for these same products and resources that we already have here makes zero sense. And, of course, in a lot of ways, that's the premise of the show. Kathy, let's do this. Um, we're going to take a short break. Uh, and and, and uh, we're going to have more from the Labor and Energy Show with our guest Kathleen Sagama after we come back. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know there are 6,000 products made from petroleum that we use every day? Products like candles, trash bags, fishing rods, shower curtains, paint, umbrellas, tennis rackets, and another 5,993. Did you know? PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit FuelingUSJobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. Listen to the Labor and Energy Show and get educated about electric cars, solar power, and climate change from expert guests. Presented by PBF Energy and Furness, electrical engineers and contractors since 1945. Tune in this Sunday night at 6. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. First chartered in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager. Listen to the Labor and Energy Show and get educated from expert guests about climate change. What they say and who they are will surprise you. Presented by PBF Energy, Neuter Construction, and Furness Electrical Contractors. The Labor and Energy Show, this Sunday night at 6. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. 
Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the Labor Union Community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And welcome back, everyone, to this edition of the Labor and Energy Show. Still to come at the very end of the show, we will remind you again about our upcoming Labor and Energy Summit series with the first summit, JDOC, beginning on August 20th. That is our Refining Sector Summit and then the Shale Industry Summit on September 24th. Now back to you, brother. Thank you, Joe. Uh, yeah, certainly we're excited about that, the energy summits and uh, real excited about them. And they're going to do great, great things for educating the public. But right now we're talking to Kathleen Sagama, president of the Western Energy Alliance. Uh, and, and, and we're in the middle of a discussion about the SEC rule. Uh, and, and, and having said that, uh, uh, you know, we're talking a, a, about a, a three-part blog series uh, uh, that Kathleen and her organization uh put together we're on part two kathleen and uh, you know how uh, you know the rule uh, really looks to help uh, line the pockets of some of the largest players on wall street um the, and the piece specifically mentions blackrock if you would walk us through this uh it sounds like some of the biggest wall street players are trying to use the regulations to guarantee profits and in, 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 uh, in expensive energy investments they make and not to, uh, to cut it if, if if the left consumer you know if we left they would wouldn't con- they wouldn't cut it if the if it was up to consumer choice. Your thoughts on that? Well, three big investors, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, have really been pushing this climate advocacy through the financial markets. They have been pressuring um, companies to follow the policies that they want, not the policies that uh, elected representatives of the United States um, are are putting in place. So these uh, large institutional investors put pressure on companies. They put pressure on banks not to fund oil and natural gas projects. And that's one of the reasons your uh, gasoline prices are high at the pump is because our industry has been underinvested for several years um, because of these institutional activists. And when we become underinvested, that means it's harder for us to you know, turn on a dime and respond to these high prices and turn the spigots back on and drill more in the United States. So we're having trouble getting funded so that we can produce more oil and bring prices down. Now, one of the things that these large investors like BlackRock and Vanguard is they have these ESG funds, environmental, social and governance funds that are supposed to be, you know, investing more in clean energy and in, you know, more human rights and all these, you know, good things, supposedly. And they get more money off of those types of funds because they're more actively invested. Um, So they can charge a premium to investors who want to do good in the world. The problem with ESG funding, I mean, that all sounds well and good, but the problem with ESG funding is it's very subjective what is good. For example, some of these um, ESG funds would invest heavily in Russia and not in, say, Exxon or what's perceived to be bad companies in the United States. They're not. Exxon and our, all our companies in the United States follow very strict environmental protections that they don't in Russia. But these ESG funds wouldn't invest in them for political reasons. Well, come to find out, that, you know, Russia just invaded Ukraine. So how how ESG friendly is investing in Russia? 
How ESG friendly is it to invest in solar panels when most of them are made in China with slave labor? Right. So it's very subjective and it's very. So the last few months have um, kind of pulled the curtain back on ESG investing and it's kind of lost some of its shine. But these companies really want to push their ESG funds because unlike index funds, for example, which are more lightly managed, um, they make a lot more money off of them. Uh, another thing too is ESG funds because they don't they do things like not invest in fossil fuels they don't have as balanced a portfolio is they do they perform less well they they perform poorly compared to say index funds or other funds that invest in a more balanced portfolio so the curtain is kind of being pulled back on the ESG funding um, but but more importantly again. You know, it's one thing if an investor wants to do good in the world and they want to invest in these ESG funds, fine. That's their choice. They can do that. But if the SEC, through a rule, is forcing that same type of ESG investing on our financial markets as a whole, that is going to result in fewer returns for the American investor, for the pension fund, you know, the pensioner, the the worker. And that's not good for society overall. That's the pro- That's one of many problems with this rule. Uh, and 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 what what is the SEC's response to to these uh, points? Well, they say you know, I mean, they're defending their rule, right? So they're saying no, 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 that's not what's going to happen. This is going to increase. Um, you know, it's going to increase returns because it's going to be. You know the. A government agency, a bureaucracy, is going to justify its rule. But when uh, third parties have looked at this and academia has looked at it, um, it's it's not so clear that it's good for the United States economy, that's for sure. And several studies have shown that this type of activism actually results in fewer returns and by extension that the SEC rule would be, uh, you know, would starve the American finance, the American financial markets of um, lots of money over over time. Yeah, and and so um, before we move on, uh, you know the SEC uh, pulling this climate rule. Uh, when when can we expect uh, you know some potential movement on this? Because it's absolutely ridiculous. And at this point, um, you know certainly you know they should be smelling the coffee. Um, what where do you when do you expect a decision uh, on this? Well, they really wanted to finalize the rule before the end of the year, I think even before the election. But um, the comment period closed in June. They got a lot of comments. They got thousands of substantial comments and more than usual. And it takes an agency a while to go through those comments. If they don't systematically and deliberatively go through comments, and adjust the rule accordingly, they can be uh, very vulnerable in court under the Administrative Procedure Act. So we suspect that maybe that finalization of the rule will be pushed back a bit just because the rule is so complex and receives so many comments. But they're really pushing to get it out before the end of the year. All right, so we're going to keep an eye on that. Let's let's transition, if you will, um, to, to the Manchin-Schumer tax bill. Uh, the latest news out of Washington is, is the uh, this tax package um, that, that Senators Manchin and, and Schumer have agreed to, uh, and 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 certainly 
Uh, lots of interesting moving pieces here. A Politico story from last week quoted some sources indicating that there may be elements of this bill that could be helpful to domestic oil and gas. I have some sus- some sus- specific questions here, but first, what what are your members' uh, general reaction to the, to the latest package? Well. I mean, we don't think this legislation is is good at all. Yes, there are some good things in it, but overall, it's the wrong bill at the wrong time. It should be called the Inflation Expansion Act, not the Inflation Reduction Act, because it's increasing taxes, it's increasing government spending, and we all know both of those things, as an economy slides into recession, as an economy is experiencing high inflation, are not helpful. So I'm not really sure why this is moving forward at this time. Huge government spending, uh, huge tax increases. Uh, the Congre- uh, the Joint Budget Committee, which is the neutral uh, congressional scoring uh, entity, found uh, released its assessment a couple of days ago, and it said, yeah, no, this is not going to do much for inflation, and it is going to increase taxes for those making less than 400000 a year. Um, and that was the president's pledge was it wouldn't raise any taxes for anybody under 400,000 a year. And, and not just those right under 400,000, but really all the way up and down um, the, the income scale. So yeah. it's not keeping that promise. Now, having said that, there are a few good things in it because Senator Manchin does believe in all of the above energy. And one of the funniest things in it, which I was pleasantly surprised about, was that it tied wind and solar federal permitting to federal leasing of oil and natural gas. I thought that was kind of hilarious because I've never seen that type of proposal. And um, it's a way to say, hey, this administration, you do need to move forward with federal oil and natural gas leasing. And we're going to tie it to your priority, which is wind and solar energy. So I thought that was kind of funny. It also does um, approve the offshore lease sales and require offshore and onshore sales to in- continue into the future. As we know, this president banned leasing. So um, it is good that Senator Manchin has put those provisions in to move forward with oil and natural gas leasing. Because if we don't produce it here, we have to import it from overseas. Yeah, so, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, but, you know, there are cost increases in taxes on the industry. And when you tax something, you get less of it. So it will continue to increase costs for American production and drive production overseas. And so that's where we object to um, some of those cost increases. Yeah, and 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 uh, it, if I'm not incorrect, at least the bill is rumored to, to require that the Interior Department to lease, and I think this is what you're talking about: two million acres per year for oil and gas production. And if it doesn't, it can't offer the rights of of way for solar and wind. Uh, I, I felt that was really really interesting. Um, and and yeah. How, yeah, and you know, if you would, are those numbers about right? Um, um, off the top of my head, I can't remember the number exactly, but it, I, yeah, it's, I think it's a couple of million acres have to have been um, offered for lease over a certain time period. The, the technical details of it are a little weird, but overall it does tie wind and solar permitting to oil and natural gas leasing. And not just a little leasing, like the uh, the 
Biden administration finally moved forward with some leasing in June because of court order. But the lease sale was so anemic. It was so few acres compared to historic norms. And after a year and a half, it, it just wasn't significant. Um, so this would make sure with the, uh, the details in the, the provision itself would make sure that it's substantial leasing moving forward, not just a few thousand acres here and there. And, and so uh, one, of the, one of the common talking points that we hear often from the administration is the point about how, how domestic producers allegedly have 9,000 permits to drill that they claim oil companies are just sitting on. My understanding is uh, that's a, a, a gross mischaracterization of reality. Uh, we only have a couple minutes, um, but, but can you give me, can you elaborate on that? Well, they are correct in that there are about 8,800 permits that are approved that have not been developed yet, but it does take time. You, once you get a permit, that doesn't mean that everything is in place to move forward with drilling that well. There are other government approvals you need, and you have to have pipeline infrastructure. Well, guess what? Pipelines right. have not been approved, and if you can't get a pipeline in place to capture the natural gas off of your oil well... Well, you can't drill that oil well because we can't flare anymore. Um, we can't release that methane. And so that means that, you know, it, we have to move forward with pipelines. Now, Senator Manchin has promised that there will be a bill forthcoming on pipeline permitting. But I think once this um, Inflation Expansion Act is passed, I think the rest of the Democrats will have very little incentive to move forward with his bill on pipeline permitting. And so I think Senator Manchin is unwise to, to, to move forward with this bill at this time until he actually gets those pipeline bill, you know, a pipeline permitting bill in place together with this bill. And so having said that, Kathleen, um, you know, we've, we've come to the con uh, conclusion of the, the fastest hour in radio. And um, I can't tell you how much we appreciate uh, you being back on the, on, the, on the program. We had such great response uh, from your first uh, appearance. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, and and uh, keep doing what you're doing over there. We're, we're, we're uh, trying to keep our end of the bargain here. And, and we want to thank you so much for being on the broadcast. It is my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. That's, it, it's our pleasure. Uh, Joe Krause. All right. Good stuff, Jay Doc, and a great interview. This is the Labor and Energy Show. Jay Doc and I will be back after the break. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know wind power depends on hydrocarbons? That's because inside those turbines are gears and axles, a generator, all sorts of moving and turning parts. And moving parts need lubrication. And lubrication means oil. Did you know? PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit FuelingUSJobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. What's a boiler maker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. 
We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results, every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Listen to the Labor and Energy Show and get educated about electric cars, solar power, and climate change from expert guests. Presented by PBF Energy and Furness, electrical engineers and contractors since 1945. Tune in this Sunday night at 6. First chartered in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Listen to the Labor and Energy Show and get educated about electric cars, solar power, and climate change from expert guests. Presented by PBF Energy and Neuter Construction, a fully integrated multi-craft contractor. Tune in this Sunday night at 6. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. And welcome back, everyone, to this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. That's going to do it, J. Doc. Great stuff. Uh, just for me, I really got an opportunity to kind of sit back as a listener uh, and listen to your conversation uh, with Kathleen. Really, really good stuff. As you mentioned way back when in the opening segment, uh, or in, our, in the opening of the show, rather, um, backed by popular demand, and she uh, delivered the goods today, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, we had a, a fantastic discussion on so many of the important uh, topics today. Obviously, we talked about uh, the SEC's proposed climate disclosure bill. Uh, we talked about strategic petroleum release, uh, the, uh, the SPR, and, and, and so these are front-page issues. Okay, and of course, uh, the, the Manchin-Schumer tax bill. So, Joe, I mean, you know, we're, 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 we're uh, speaking to the individuals who are in the middle of it. And at the, uh, at the same time, uh, you know, the, the hot button issues that are impacting us all on a daily basis. Then a lot of times, uh, you know, obviously our public and our, and our, our uh, families and our friends don't get the opportunity to, 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 to really hear uh, the entire side, and, and if at all. So, um, you know, let, let, you know, it's a big deal. And I do want to say one thing, Joe, and we've, 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 we've talked about this uh, many times in regards to, uh, you know, as we close out. And, and, and this is our point. Obviously, it's common sense and energy, but energy is not a political party. It's not a union issue. It's a human issue, man. 
And if we all just, you know, do it together, get into it together, we'd all find out that, uh, again, we could have our cake and, and eat it, too, if we just use common sense, man. Yep, and one reminder to our listening audience, if you missed any of today's broadcast or you want to look back at any of the previous shows uh, here, the Labor and Energy Show, you can go to uh, Apple or Spotify. Just search the Labor and Energy Show, and you'll be able to download the show, which is uploaded into a podcast format. Before we go, I want to end the show the same way we started, J-Doc. Talk about the Labor and Energy Summit Series quickly, but there's one, our very first, coming up this month, the month of August 2022, and then we'll follow up with another uh, Labor and Energy Summit Series in September, uh, also this year, September of 2022. Yeah, Joe, our first Labor and Energy Summit, uh, and it'll feature the uh, refinery sector, uh, and, and, of course, uh, it'll be on August 20th. Uh, we'll have the who's who in, 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 in the refinery sector. Uh, we'll be educating the public. We'll be talking about all the issues. Uh, our, uh, our second our follow-up uh, summit will be the Shale Industry Summit on September 24th. Uh, Dave Callahan, who's, uh, who's going to be spearheading that, uh, who is the uh, CEO of the Marcellus Shale Coalition. Um, we're going to have the who's who there. And, and, and it's just going to kick off a fantastic series um, that people can't hear anywhere else in the world. And, and, and we're so excited about it. All right. Good stuff. Jay doc you're certainly living true to the narrative of this show. Uh, you are becoming an educated man. Uh, on the energy part of this show. This is, of course, labor you already know all about. This is the Labor and Energy Show. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. On behalf of my partner, J. Doc, and on behalf uh, of our special guests today, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson before the upcoming midterm elections and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today.